0: Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Hutchcroft, photographer, copywriter, and educational content creator. Join me while I sit down with talented photographers, savvy entrepreneurs, and inspiring educators from the Unscripted community. Each week, I pick their brains and invite them to share real-life advice so you can learn everything you need to know to grow your dream business. Tune in for conversations about harnessing your creativity, connecting to your clients, building your confidence as a photographer, and so much more. No matter where you are on your photography journey, this is the podcast for you. If you want to celebrate all stories, take photos that matter, and feel empowered in your craft, don't go anywhere. Let's get right into it. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Unscripted Podcast for Photographers. Today on the show, we have the lovely Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. Sarah is a website whiz with a specialty for creating beautiful and effective websites for photographers, creators, and wedding vendors alike. Along the way, she's taken many a deep dive into the world of SEO, so she can ensure that the beautiful sites she's making are getting seen by the right people. Today, we talk about what SEO is, why you should care about it, and how you can use it to book more of your dream shoots in your dream locations with your dream clients, you want to grab a notebook for this one. It's full of incredible advice that will definitely transform your SEO game forever. Let's get into it. Let's just start. If you could introduce yourself and say a little bit about what you do.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my name is Sarah. I'm the founder of Elizabeth Designs, which is a branding and web design company that I started about eight years ago, actually. And I really started it because I had been working as a graphic designer freelancing for years. But when I had my... I really wanted to be able to work from home. And so I started my business so I could be you know, still fulfilling my passions creatively and working in the design industry, but be able to be home with him. And so that's really how it was born. And I decided to name it after my grandmother. So Elizabeth is actually my middle name, which came from her. And she's the one who taught me everything I know about design. I was like, sitting at her feet when I was a super young girl, like just handing her the different Adobe floppy disks, and like, just learning everything I could. And so she actually passed a few years before I started my business. And it only felt fitting to name it after her. So that was about eight years ago. And now we're here today.
0: Wow, well, I can't say that I know many people who have learned anything technology related from their grandparents. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> it is rare now so that I think impressive. about it. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Usually no. it's like
0: you go home for Christmas and you're the like Apple genius that everyone's like, why isn't autocorrect working? I'm like, can you explain why? I feel like all like millennialslash Gen X, Gen Z, they're like resident. Tech help, IT. <laughs> but it was the other way around. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. She taught me everything I know about Apple computers and Adobe platforms, and I'm so thankful. She was truly the best. <laughs> wow, what a superwoman! That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, that's kind of how it all started for me. And then you know, after I started my business, I had no idea what I was really doing. I don't think any of us do, and so. I was just kind of I would say like prying the industry if you will like I knew I really wanted to pursue servicing the wedding industry my mom was actually a wedding planner and so I had like always been around the wedding industry and you know helping at the venue and had friends that were wedding photographers. I was like, I know, like I want to go that route, but I don't really know like where to start. And so I posted in a Facebook group actually. And from there, it just kind of took off and I started getting clients and building my portfolio and the rest was kind of history.
0: Wow. Okay. So can you give us a little bit of a roadmap from like when you started and it was kind of like graphic design and then going into weddings and like you know, I've got you on the show today to talk about SEO, which we'll dive into in just a second here. But it sounds like you've kind of just collecting all these little tools to put in your toolkit along the way. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about the evolution of that.
1: Yeah. So I had been exposed to like small business just because my family owned a printing company. And so that's actually my grandmother was basically the creative director for that printing company. And so I'd been exposed to that thing. My dad was in IT tech. He was like teaching me how to build computers when I was 12. So I'd like always Uh-oh. had these different interactions with like design and tech, and then through my mom with the wedding industry. And I had a love for like all of these different things, but I didn't really know how that would work collectively together. But I was really blessed to have two parents that always encouraged me to try everything. And so I tried drawing and illustrating for a while. I tried graphic design. I tried helping my mom with wedding planning. I tried like being a stylist assistant at photo shoots, like all these different things to figure out like what I really loved. And I knew that at the end of the day, my two passions were definitively design and the wedding industry. And so as I just kind of sat with it, I was like, well what makes more sense than designing for wedding planners wedding photographers florists you know what better fit and so i decided to kind of start out with these like mini packages and i called them petite packages at the time and i posted about them in this facebook group basically saying like hey is there anyone out there in the wedding industry that would even be interested in something like this like is anyone looking for you know, logo design or website design that serves the wedding industry. And the post literally exploded. And the next morning after I posted it, I woke up with hundreds of messages from people that were like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for someone. I could totally use your help. And I just fell in love with working with each of these clients. And I'm very much like a people person. And so for me, it was not only like filling my cup creatively but also like personally just getting to like hang out with all of these different creatives and get to know their story and bring that to life through a brand and a website design. So you went viral
0: basically. In, in a very very small Facebook
1: group kind of way. Yeah, I guess you could say that.
0: And so it kind of started with like web design and design and logo design and then how did yeah. you get
1: into SEO? So SEO was like not on my radar at all <laughs> when I started. But as I began designing websites, very quickly, I learned on like, Oh, this is like a really big piece that I need to know about. I need to offer. This needs to be included with my web design services. Because what good is a website if no one can find you? Yes. <laughs> and so... I began doing a deep dive and literally, like, buying every single course I possibly could about SEO and just learning anything that I could. I was doing mentorships, you name it. And I also began to discover how. SEO is very platform-specific. Like, Obviously, you're optimizing your websites for Google and search engines. But also too, the way that you optimize a website on one hosting platform is very different from the way you optimize it on another. And so I was like, man, there's so many layers that need to be unpacked. And all these things I need to learn. And so I spent a couple of years, honestly. And even now, I feel like I'm still learning because algorithms change. (laughs) Mm. And so it's very much still like something that is, you know, I'm always learning, always growing. But for me, that's kind of where it really started was I would say like 6 months, 7 months into my business was, Oh, I got to figure this out. And I got to figure it out now because (laughs) people need to have this. And so obviously, now that I'm 8 years in, and I've been doing SEO for quite a long time, And I've been able to train our staff and, you know, fellow designers on how it works, how to do it, all of that good stuff. But yeah, it's definitely been an evolution.
0: (laughs) Okay. So let's just loop back for some of our listeners who might not really know what it is. Can you define SEO? What does it do? Why is it important? Why should photographers care?
1: Yeah. So. SEO is search engine optimization. That's what it stands for. And basically, it's a set of like best practices that are all to help you rank properly on search engine results pages like Google. So basically, we want to make it where your website is appearing in relevant searches based on the key phrases that people are searching for. And so what SEO does is it helps attract the right traffic and the right people to your website based on the content of your website, the keywords, the structure of your website. And so Google is basically using their algorithm to analyze all of those things and connect people with the right information.
0: Right. So it's kind of the thing that will help people find you and make sure that like you're being found By people who think that what you're offering is relevant to their life, basically.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, when people are typing in these different words into Google, Google is trying to match up what they're looking for with the right websites that have that information or that product or that service. So that's how you're going to be found online.
0: What are the top factors for successful SEO? Like, how do you? do SEO so that you are found online? Like you've made your website, you've put all this work into it. And now how do you make sure that like your website is what comes up when someone searches, I don't know, San Francisco wedding photographer, for example?
1: Yeah, so this is definitely going to be a lengthy answer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the main like branches, if you will, are going to be like your content. So when it comes to your content, you want to make sure that your content is relevant and that it is valuable. It's something that people are actually like looking for, that they want to read, that they want to spend their time going through and something that's going to be insightful for them. So content is definitely the first. And then also your keywords, kind of like I mentioned before, you want to make sure that you have the right keywords on your website that are relevant to your product or survey so that people can find you when they're searching those keywords on google and then of course also backlinks so you want to make sure that you know other websites or social media platforms are linking to your website so that you know you're not just solely relying on google and then also too like knowing that all over 80% of all website traffic is on mobile you have to make sure that you're optimizing your website for mobile devices because that's one of the first thing that google looks at and you know if your website is not accessible or it looks like crap on a phone then people are not going to interact with your website you're going to see a huge drop off there so mobile optimization is another really big pillar and then also too like how fast your website loads is a really big one because especially for photographers a lot of times people are uploading these high resolution beautiful images not realizing that it's making their website load really really slow and so what happens yeah like people get really frustrated by that and they're like why is this website not loading like everything is blank and they get frustrated they click off of your website which in turn is going to tell Google, oh, people don't like this website. We're going to, you know, push that down in the results. We're not going to send as many people there because it's taking too long to load. So page speed isn't really another big one. And then also too, you know, the overall user experience that people have when they're on your website, do you have sufficient imagery and content? Are your text blocks broken up into headers and subheaders and paragraphs? Is it something that's easy for people to read through? And is it dynamic and engaging? Is it luring them in and captivating their attention? So those are kind of, I would say, the main pillars that are going to contribute to whether or not you have a successful SEO score.
0: (laughs) I realized that I just asked you to like condense your six years of SEO knowledge (laughs) into like one question. I was like, so yeah, just (laughs) you just quickly summarize. How do you do it? (laughs) So sorry. We'll drill into it a little bit more. Like, I mean, I think those sort of answers just like spurn off like so many other questions where, you know, you're talking about keywords, like you want to have the right keywords on your website, but what Makes a keyword the right keyword.
1: Yeah. And that's a tough one because it's so different for everyone. You know, someone looking for an elopement photographer in Utah is very different than someone looking for a barn wedding in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> like mm. we have all different ends of the spectrum here. So keywords are so, so, so specific. And that's why it's really important to conduct your own keyword research. Specifically for your business rather than comparing your business to someone else's, because someone else might have completely different areas that they're wanting to target or a different demographic. Like there's so much that goes into it. So you want to kind of take into consideration who is your ideal client and really do a deep dive into the demographics and the psychographics of that pool. And then from there, You want to either use a platform like the Moz, Free Keyword Explorer. There's another platform called SpyFu. Also, of course, use Google to search your keywords as well. But there are lots of different platforms you can use to conduct that research that's going to help you determine what keywords your ideal clients are using to search for your product or service. And also another thing that you want to look at is the volume of that traffic. So if people are searching for Utah elopement photographer 200 times, that's decent. But if they're just searching the word Utah photographer 2000 times, then that's a higher volume keyword. So knowing that you only want to use about maybe 30 to 50 keywords on your entire website, Tells us that you want to make sure you're using those 30 to 50 wisely and you're not using low volume keywords when there's other higher volume keywords available. So I always tell people, like, check the volume. Don't just start pulling every single keyword that you find.
0: So you can check the volume via these like free keyword explorer type
1: websites. Mm-hmm. You can. Yeah. So the Moz free keyword explorer is one of the best ones out there, especially to check the volume. It'll actually tell you next to the keyword what the volume of searches are per month. And that's a really good indicator as to whether or not it's worth using or leaving it out.
0: Is there like a sweet spot between not too low volume and like not too high Mm -hmm. volume?
1: You know, for me, like when I'm personally doing an SEO service, I always try to gauge a minimum of two to three hundred searches a month on a keyword if I'm going to use it. Because you know, if it's a market that is very unsaturated, that might not be possible. Like there are very like rural towns and cities that have photographers that you know. There's just not that high of a demand because there's not that many people. And that's fine. Obviously, you have to kind of adjust for that. But if you're in like a major city, you absolutely want to be shooting for things that are at minimum two to 300 searches a month.
0: Right. Okay. This is amazing. This is so helpful because I feel like... (laughs) Keywords is such a buzzword when it comes to doing your website that people are just like, yeah, if I say photographer, or like elopement photographer, or film photographer, then that'll find me the right people. But you can be much more specific, is what I hear you saying.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, with these like really, really broad keywords like wedding photographer, that's going to attract, you know, 20 plus thousand searches. But if you're on the 50th page of that search, it's probably not worth it. It's probably not going to do you a lot of good because who's going to click through 50 pages of Google?
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, what is it like? Do you know the stats on like who even goes to the second page or the third page? Because I feel like I usually just go page one. And if it's not on page one,
1: then it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I would say that if I had to take a wild guess, probably less than 5% of people click through to the second page. So, I'd have to double check that, but yeah, I'm no, sure don't worry. We won't hold you to it, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just more of like,
0: yeah, an interesting kind of thought for people to out there to consider, like how important it actually is to make sure your website is ranking mm-hmm. on the first page,
1: absolutely.
0: I kind of want to like balance like there's all this techie stuff we're going to get into, but I also kind of want to balance <laughs> that with like you know why like you should be excited about using seo and for me when i think about it one of the main things is that you can kind of pivot your business in the direction you want to go and so if you're like in i don't know in chicago but you want to start shooting weddings in italy like how might you use seo to start attracting clients that like will Mm -hmm. book you for the things that you want to be booked for
1: yeah, oh I love this question so much because this is something that we actually help our clients do all the time. It's so common like we'll have someone kind of say exactly what you just did like Hey, this is where I'm based, but I really wanna travel. I really wanna go shoot in this country. You know, I wanna get to the Malfi Coast or wherever. And they're like, I haven't shot there, I haven't even been there, but I really wanna go. Mm -hmm. How can I get those people to my website? And we're like, first of all, (laughs) keywords. We're gonna put those keywords in your website in different areas, but also like blog about these places. Like blogging is one of the most powerful tools that you have as a photographer when it comes to your SEO. And so if you know like okay, I want to go shoot in Italy, write about that. Like write about like tips that people who are eloping in Italy would want to know, like what are the best places to elope in Italy? Any kind of resource or valuable insight that you can create through a blog post for people to find. Blog post almost always Google prefers those pages to standard website pages. So Hmm. it's a really cool way to kind of hack the system because Google is automatically showing preference to blog pages. So if you write a blog post about a resource for people who are looking to elope in Italy, and they find that on Google, and they look at your work and they're like, Oh my gosh, she's incredible. Not only has she given me this free valuable insight about this information I'm looking for, but her work is gorgeous. I'm going to hire her. What better way to book ideal clients in your dream locations?
0: Regardless of whether you photograph elopements, weddings, or family sessions, the juggling act that comes with running your own business can be a real struggle. There's a lot that falls on your shoulders, from marketing yourself, to managing your finances, to finding new ways to stay creatively inspired. Look, it's a lot to expect one person to do on their own you should be able to grow a thriving photography business without losing sleep, time, or all your friends over it. Having empowered over 500,000 photographers worldwide to make money doing what they love, the unscripted app for photographers takes the struggle out of what you do. Offering the world's most extensive collection of poses and prompts, lawyer approved contracts, digital invoices, client questionnaires, beautifully designed galleries and so much more. Your only regret will be not getting on board earlier. Stop feeling disorganized, insecure, and awkward. Book your ideal clients and grow a thriving photography business today. Search Unscripted in your App Store now and get $20 off lifetime access with our code UnscriptedPodcast. Can you have like more than one dream location? You were saying mm-hmm. that like you have what is it? 20 to 50 keywords gone the entire website that like Mm -hmm. you're kind of allocated for like that are effective if you're like i want to go to mexico and the amalfi coast and like japan does it do your sort of website a disservice like does it confuse google if you're like Mm -hmm. i want to go to all these places and i'm also based in chicago
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) you definitely don't want to overdo it because that will absolutely do you a disservice in trying to rank for everything, you'll rank for nothing. So you right. do want to be careful. We usually recommend to our clients that they focus on 3 to 5 target locations. However, you can broaden that a little bit via your blog. So for your primary website, if you're based, you know, let's say, in Atlanta... And you want to do some travel, some destination, but you still want to keep the bulk of your focus in Atlanta, then you want to keep the bulk of your keywords focused accordingly. However, if you're a destination wedding photographer, that's a whole nother ball game because you know, you're wanting to travel, you know, <laughs> maybe to five different countries every six months. So mm-hmm. you have to play your cards, right. So for destination wedding photographers, I always say, Instead of trying to target 20 dream locations, target three to five, maybe semi annually or quarterly at the most. Because what you can do is when you change keywords out, you can resubmit your sitemap to Google via Google Search Console, and Google will re index and they'll take a second look at your website and re rank you. Our destination, what kind of cycle out those target locations doing so semi-annually is, you know, a good way to kind of cycle that out. But your blog is really the biggest tool when it comes to targeting multiple locations in a healthy way. So that's kind of a, <laughs> a very layered answer.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it is like, yeah, I find that really interesting. Like, how would you cycle it out? Like what is the process of cycling it out? I know you mentioned the Google Dash, but can you say a little bit more about how that works?
1: Sure. Yeah. So what you would want to do is basically like if you're targeting, you know, three to five locations as a destination wedding photographer, and you know, you have booked up a decent amount at those locations and now you want to target different areas, then what I would recommend is going in and retagging the images on your main website. You don't have to worry about that with blog posts because blog posts, they live forever in Google. You don't ever want to delete a blog post unless you absolutely have to. You want to just add additional content. So with your primary like website pages that are not blog pages, you can swap those keywords out in your page titles and descriptions, as well as your image titles and descriptions. And then when it comes to your blog, I would just create new additional content supporting those new target locations and resources based on those different areas.
0: So if you had a photo on your website, say it was like the banner and like you would mm-hmm. say it was like
1: tagged Amalfi <laughs> Coast.
0: And then yeah. like would you not change the photo and you would
1: just like tag it to a different location? So you can definitely change the photos. But what's really funny is that Google can't see images. Of course. (laughs) They don't don't really care. (laughs) You know, you can have the same image. such a good hack. (laughs) Yeah. You can use the same image and target a completely different area. You know, obviously, for the people who are looking at it, they're going to (laughs) know if (laughs) it doesn't match up. But, you know, there's a lot of photographers, especially people who are newer to the industry that... They just simply haven't booked clients on those destination locations yet. So they're using what they have and that's okay. You can always work with what you have. And then as you start booking those tropical destinations, you can use those images to attract other tropical destinations that you have or have not been to.
0: I love this. This is so Mm -hmm. good. Okay. Getting back onto the techie side of things like, okay, I have so many questions, but... (laughs) Let's just start with what's like step one for a photographer wanting to improve their SEO. Like what's something that they can do today?
1: So I would say the first thing would be to resize all of your images immediately. If you're mm. using high resolution images on your website, you need to absolutely go in and resize those, including your blog images. There are lots of different platforms out there that you can use to easily you know, get them down to websites, But it's imperative for your page speed that you get those down to web size.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like just as a good sort of practice for photographers, I think that like every session, every gallery, you should be exporting into like high print res and web res so that you have everything kind of handy for like these two applications.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because you know, like I was saying before, if someone lands on your website and it's taking super long to load, they are not going to hang around. They're going to click off and they're going to go look at somebody else. And Google's going to see that. They're going to see, oh, people are only spending like maybe 5 seconds on this website before they click off of it. We're going to push that down to the bottom of the search engine results.
0: Totally. And there's so many things like you've just spent so much time on your website. You spent so much time taking beautiful photos. Like it's such a shame for this like one easy thing that you can do, like Mm -hmm. to not do it and to have your business be penalized for that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, especially as a photographer, like the whole point is for people to see your work. So if they lean on your website and they can't even see it, like it's a waste of their time. People are going to be frustrated.
0: When you're setting up your homepage as a photographer, like what are some things that you should be keeping in mind?
1: (laughs) So, with the homepage of your website, one of the biggest things that I see people overlook is communicating who you are, what you offer, and where you're located or what areas that you service. Right out of the gate before someone even has to scroll. I think a lot of times we just assume that if someone's on their website, they know who we are and they know what we're about or they found us through Instagram. But that's not always the case, especially if you are getting a decent amount of organic from Google. Ideally, these people don't know who they, you are. <laughs> so, you know, you want to make sure to communicate those things really, really clearly right out of the gate. And then following that, It's so important to make a personal introduction on your homepage to who you are. Not that you need to like write your life story, but share a little bit about you and like what makes you different and your unique approach to what you do, because that's going to really help people put a face with a name and just kind of get to know the DNA of who you are and what you're about really, really quickly. I always tell people like think of your website homepage as a roadmap with. You know, directives to all the interior pages of your site. You can use your homepage to help people understand these like core principles of your business and your approach and what you offer. And then direct them to, okay, now go look at my bio. Now go look at my portfolio. Now go read some testimonials or book me. You know, (laughs) if we have some clients like, People land on their homepage and they book them right away because just based on their homepage alone, they got everything that they needed. And so your homepage, you want to kind of have a snippet of all of the different information that you have throughout your whole website so that you're constantly leading people to take that next step.
0: I think like this actually harks back to what you were saying before about the overall user experience, where like yeah. you want to have everything kind of organized into like your headers and your subheaders and your paragraphs, mm-hmm. so that it's like easy for people to navigate, but also maybe yeah. easy for Google to figure out yeah. like what is important, what is not important. Can you tell us a little bit about like mm-hmm. maybe? Cause you know how sometimes when you Google search something, and then mm-hmm. there's like a little summary of mm-hmm. what the website says. Where it's like, if you ask Google, because everyone just talks to Google as if, right? Types like entire questions into Google as if it's yeah. a human and can. It, so no one like does like <laughs> the old school searching anymore. Everyone's like, what right. is the weather today? You know, yeah. and then it just like will come up, but it'll come up as like. You know, it's obviously pulled the important information from another web page, but it's still on mm-hmm. like page one of Google. Right. So, yeah. Maybe talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the link between setting everything up properly and then mm-hmm. also how that's good for not only user experience,
1: but for Google to like
0: understand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, as a photographer, obviously everything is very like image heavy, but again, like Google doesn't have eyes. So Google is looking at your keywords. It's looking at your tags on your images and your descriptions of your images. And it's also looking at the page titles and the page descriptions. So when you type something into Google and it's loading all of these different websites on the result page, you're going to see the name of the website. And then beneath that, you're going to see an index of each page and its description. So it's so important to use keywords in your page descriptions and your page titles to help people find you and to help Google properly index your website but also you want to make sure you're using those keywords in the content of your website and tagging them on your images so you're kind of repurposing these keywords in multiple ways as you you know add in all of these different tags and descriptions throughout the pages and the images and the content
0: So would you recommend just like really nailing down like what your 30 to 50 keywords are before you even start Mm -hmm. making your website so that you can work it into like the titles and the
1: headers and the image names and all of that stuff? Definitely. Yeah. If you're taking a DIY approach, you absolutely want to nail those things down and tag everything or like get your keyword pool together before you actually start designing and tagging because if you do it in inverse order what's going to happen is you're going to kind of do it backwards and you're going to end up doing everything twice so you definitely want to be sure to first off before you start adding images into your website you want to resize them you want to get your keyword pool together and then you want to go in optimize your content And after you upload your images based on your platform, you can either read images before you upload them, or you can tag them directly in the platform. But that's a platform specific setting that changes from host to host. So it just kind of depends where you build your website.
0: And how do you know how to optimize your website for the specific platform that you're working with?
1: So if it's a good website host, <laughs> then they're going to have a help doc or a tutorial that's going to tell you where to find those SEO settings. So you mm-hmm. definitely want to look into their archives, whether it's you know tutorials or a resource hub that they offer. I've seen one on almost every single hosting platform out there. They're going to have some sort of article or you could even just quickly message customer support and say, Hey, where do I find the SEO settings? And they're going to tell you exactly where to go.
0: Do you mind if I ask what platform you
1: use for your website? Yeah, so I use ShowIt. Show it is specifically created for photographers, but you can also use it for, you know, videographers. We've used it for bloggers, you name it, but it was originally created for photographers and it connects through WordPress. And WordPress is definitely kind of the end all be all when it comes to websites and SEO. And so, what I really love about it is that it's a drag and drop platform, so it's very user friendly, very intuitive. But it has this really awesome integration with WordPress, which which gives you all those awesome SEO benefits from the blogging aspect of things.
0: Cool. Okay, so say you've got your SEO nailed for your own website. What other mm-hmm. kinds of SEO should you be looking at to drive? traffic to your website like would you mm-hmm. yeah would you think about like facebook or like pr even or like reviews other yeah. websites once you feel like you've got your website sorted what are the next steps
1: yes so i always recommend like guest posting if at all possible on any kind of like blog that you can find for vendors that you want to work with or have worked with you know if you're a wedding photographer like If you can reach out to the wedding venues that you've shot out and say, like, hey, I want to create a resource for brides on your website. You know, can I guest post on your blog for you? You're doing them a service because you're creating valuable content for their potential customers, but then you're doing yourself a service because you get to backlink it to your website. So backlinks are a really, really great way, obviously reviews. So absolutely create a google business page if you haven't already for your business and have your clients leave their review on google that is going to help you tremendously and obviously you can copy and paste that review onto your website but having it you know done directly through google is going to tell google like oh this is a legitimate business they have all these reviews there's you know proof of concept if you will and so that's also going to really really help your seo
0: Is SEO relevant to Instagram at all?
1: It is. So Instagram, you know, you should absolutely be optimizing your captions and your hashtags. And hashtags kind of are keywords in and of themselves, but you Mm. also want to be sure To write like a really clear, relevant hashtag. I mean, um, sorry, a relevant caption so that, you know, if people are searching for that, they can find your post. Because now on Instagram, you don't have to only use hashtags to search for something, you can just type it in kind of like you would on Google. So make sure you're optimizing your captions of your post, your hashtags, and also your bio and your username.
0: Wow. Okay, I did not know this. I thought hashtags were dead, but I guess not. Do you just put them? Do you put them in your caption, or can you put them in the first mm-hmm. comment? Does it matter? So I have
1: personally read mixed, <laughs> mm-hmm. mixed uh, reviews or mixed recommendations. I actually more on Instagram. That was like one of the first questions I tried to get answered, and I got a very generic answer that was basically like yeah, you should still be using hashtags. And I think it even said something like they recommend eight hashtags now, but I swear like it changes all the time. So I'm not sure that I could give you a definitive answer because it's probably changed since the last time I checked.
0: Oh my God. So hard to keep up. So that was Instagram's answer to you.
1: That was their answer. It was like, I think it was like doing between eight to 12 hashtags, but it did say it was like, hashtags are still relevant. We're still keeping them around. It was like, gave me this huge article that was like just filled with a bunch of hoopla. So I didn't get the clarity I was looking for, but in a nutshell, they were like, yeah, I still use hashtags. They're good, but I don't see any benefit from using them or not using them or from placing them in the caption versus not. I haven't seen any difference at all. So I'm stumped.
0: (laughs) How do you usually measure like the effectiveness of SEO? I feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. in some sense, it's pretty easy to tell if your website's ranking close Mm -hmm. to the top on the first page, like that's one metric. But I feel like there are all these other magic metrics that are like Mm -hmm. super mysterious and you don't really know whether like, it's working or yeah. Can you give us a little insight on how you measure what's working and what's not?
1: Yeah. So you definitely want to use a reputable platform. Obviously going to Google analytics is like straight to the source so, Google Analytics is great. It's not gonna necessarily give you as much detailed insight about your competitors and a domain analysis and things like that. So if you really wanna just see kind of that broader, more generic information about how are people finding you, what are your most popular pages, and where at in the world are the majority of your visitors coming from, you know, what is the most popular device that they're viewing from, that sort of thing. Google Analytics can be your go to if you want to do a deep dive <laughs> into your ranking and how that's growing and is it you know climbing up is it climbing down what are the trends that sort of thing I recommend Spyfu because it is just top tier. It's going to give you super, super detailed information. And it will even create a game plan for you and tell you like, okay, these are our recommendations of what to improve. These are what your competitors are doing. And here's how you can outrank your competitors.
0: Nice. (laughs) Like, give you a bit of a game plan. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great one. And I mean, it does cost money. So you just kind of have to weigh that into balance. But Google Analytics is free. So if you're just looking for like your basic information, you don't want to get too, too involved, then, you know, Google Analytics will be sufficient.
0: How long does it take for like SEO to kick in?
1: Usually it takes at least. At minimum, like a month. You know, on average, I would say sixty to ninety days. If it's a very unsaturated market and you're not up against a lot of competitors, we've had clients started ranking within days of resubmitting their sitemap to Google after they launched their new website. So it is possible to see results quickly, but usually it's going to take at least a month, if not two or three.
0: When you say resubmitting the sitemap to Google.
1: What do you mean Mm -hmm. by that? So after you optimize your website, you want to basically tell Google like, Hey, I updated my website. I have new keywords or what have you. Like, Take another look at it and rank me accordingly. (laughs) So that's basically submitting your sitemap to Google, which is basically handing over the overview of your entire site and all of its contents to Google and asking them to take a look at it and rank you. So you can do that through Google Search Console. It's completely free, super easy to do. Again, your website host will give you instructions on how to do that because there is a special link that you'll use to submit your URL. But usually, it's just going to be yourdomain.com. Forward slash site info dot XML. But again, it sometimes your host will have a different extension. So you can contact them to figure out what that is. But once you submit it through Google Search Console, then Google is going to take another look at your website. They're going to see all that hard work you've done. They're going to see those keywords and they're going to re rank you based on that new relevant information. And from there, you should see things start to grow.
0: Wow. Wow. It's like, It's so exciting. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, my God, that's just it's so much like on top of going and doing shoots and editing your photos and like communicating with clients. It feels like a lot of work. And I feel like that could be really intimidating to a lot of people. What would you suggest in terms of like how much time photographers should be spending on SEO? Mm -hmm. How do you break it down so it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, I have so much work to do?
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's going to take time. <laughs> like there's yeah. there's no way around that. And it's something that it just depends on how much of a priority it is to you. You know, if you're just starting out in your business and you really need the bookings and you're not getting inquiries, then you need to spend a good amount of time on your SEO so that you can start building your business. However, you know, if you're a more seasoned photographer and you got the bookings, you know, but you're concerned about being outranked by the other people in your area that have their ish together. And Mm -hmm. you know, you are seeing some dips seasonally in your inquiries, then you probably need to invest some time in that as well. So, you know, when it comes to doing the keyword research and the market research, all of that, I say initially, it's going to take you Several hours to get all of that information prepped and ready. It's going to take you another batch of several hours to implement everything. And then from there, you're good to go. And from there, it kind of transitions to blogging, which I recommend doing weekly if possible at minimum bi-weekly. Because as you keep adding new, fresh, relevant content to your website, you're showing Google that you're keeping your website updated and that you're consistently creating you know, new, valuable information for people to find. So they like that. And they're going to show preference to that. And they're going to rank you better than people who are not creating you know, consistent new content. So that's a very complicated (laughs) answer, but it's going to take a good amount of time to get it set up. But once you have it set up, it's going to run like a well-oiled machine. So it's not something, you know, unless you're a destination wedding photographer, like we talked about before, where you're wanting to kind of redo everything semi-annually, for the most part, once you get it established, unless you're completely changing your target locations once it's set, you don't want to forget it. But you you can let it be for a hot minute before you have to go back to it and kind of do a tune up. I, I recommend like tune ups every maybe six months to a year. And that's not necessarily redoing it all. It's just running an audit on the website, making sure everything looks good, freshening things up. And if there's new trending keywords, maybe swap those out with the old ones.
0: Yeah. And then with the blogs, like, I guess it's also something that a lot of photographers could work into their workflow where it's like, Mm -hmm. you do the shoot, you do the edits. And then like, while it's still fresh in your mind, like you write a few words about how the session went. Yeah. How many words would you recommend per blog post? post?
1: Yeah. So this is a controversial talk amongst photographers because most photographers that I talk to, they'll Maybe three sentences. <laughs> yeah, about like, the session. I'm a
0: photographer. <laughs> a photo
1: speaks a thousand
0: words. Why
1: do Yeah, you to... yeah. <laughs> that'll get you into trouble. So I, I don't recommend doing that. You know, something is better than nothing. I will say, but put a little bit more effort if you can, if you really want to make it worth your time. So you want to keep it between like fifteen hundred to three thousand words. So, you know, several paragraphs, but the thing is, like, there's these incredible resources that will help you kind of form paragraphs. So if you struggle with like copywriting and things like that, copy AI is a really great tool that can help you kind of Turn a bulleted list of ideas into paragraph form. But again, like Google is looking at the quality of the content. So by no means should you just like pop over to Chat GPT and let it write everything for you. Mm,
0: Yeah, especially because if everyone's doing that, then like you're not really creating unique content, which is like one of the main
1: things for SEO too, isn't it? Yep. And it will get you flagged as spam and then Google won't rank your website at all.
0: Scary. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) So don't do that. Don't do that. All right. All right.
0: We've yeah, heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm starting to wrap up a little bit here, but do you have any parting words to leave our audience
1: with? Anything I haven't asked you yet that you'd like to talk about? Oh goodness. I would just say, like when it comes to your SEO, like something is better than nothing. I think a lot of times. People get really overwhelmed and they're like, gosh, like I'll get to that another day. I don't have time for it. And they put it off. And then before they know it, their inquiries are dried up and, you know, social media can only take you so far. So mm. don't make the mistake of relying on social media in place of your website that is a big, big mistake. And it will be a huge disservice for you. So, you know, even if you do the first thing three baby steps of getting everything ready. That's better than not doing anything. So, you know, do what you can and just take your time with it. But it's definitely, you know, you're going to see a big return on the investment of that time.
0: Remind us what the first three baby steps are again. Yeah.
1: So I would say the first three baby steps are going to be to resize your images, gather your keyword pool, and then tag your images write your page titles and descriptions.
0: Thank you so much. This has been so helpful for listeners out there who might be ready to engage your help, or maybe they're listening to all of this and they're like, I don't want to do it. I want Sarah (laughs) to do it for me. Where can they find
1: you and tell us a little bit about what else you offer? Yeah. So you can find us at Elizabeth designs on all the things Thank you, Grandma, for making me spell my name weird. It's A L I S A. B-E-T-H designs. (laughs) My sister wanted us to have the same initials. So she was like, we're going to change the E to an A. And I was like, Oh, great. (laughs) So it complicates everything. But that's where you can find me. And yeah, we're a full service branding, web design and SEO studio. So we love working with wedding industry professionals, creative, small business owners in general. I feel like that was a lot,
0: like a lot to sort of digest and talk about, but you did it in such a graceful way. I really appreciate. Yeah. I really appreciate all that you shared so generously and yeah, for doing it in a way that kind of makes sense and is very like humanized. So yeah, appreciate that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope people will be able to get some really good tips out of it. I'm sure they will.
0: If you, like many photographers, have run into the harsh reality that comes after creating a beautiful website that nobody sees, it's probably time to up your SEO game. Don't let your portfolio waste away in the internet's dusty attic, unseen and underappreciated. Get it noticed. Here are three key takeaways from this episode to implement ASAP to start driving more traffic and more clients to your front page worthy work. Okay. The first one, resize your images. I love this one so much because it's simple, actionable, easy, and effective. If your images are taking too long to load on a slow internet connection, this is massively detrimental to your SEO ranking. It's an easy fix. Just do it. Two, start gathering keywords. This one might take a little bit more legwork, but it'll be so worth it. Start by visiting moz.com, MOZ.com, which is the free keyword researcher tool that Sarah was talking about, and conduct your own keyword research so you know the ones you're using are directly applicable to your work and your location. Three, easily improve your user experience and make your website magnetic to all the Google algorithm bots by making sure all your headers are formatted as headers, your body copy is formatted as body copy, and you're linking to other blogs on your own website as much as possible. Are you ready to start welcoming in a steady stream of dream clients? Why not start implementing some of these tips today? That's a wrap on another episode of the Unscripted Podcast for Photographers. I hope you guys are feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to conquer all the algorithms. You've got this. I'll see you next time. This podcast was created on the unceded land of the Bundjalung people, and we pay our respects to elders past, emerging, and present.